0: The word of the Lord for us to uh, hear again and to consider from the Old Testament book of Ruth, the first chapter, Naomi says, No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. But then Ruth responds, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you, for Where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. This is the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, those of you here this morning and, and joining us through our, our media broadcast, uh, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus. Amen. You may have heard those words before from Ruth. From a relatively short book, those words are certainly the ones that stand out the most to us. And, and maybe we, we've heard them most recently at a wedding. And maybe you had them as a, a wedding text at, at your own wedding, if you are so blessed, that pledge of faithfulness. Now, of course, we recognize that it's a, a daughter-in-law pledging this faithfulness to her mother-in-law. And usually at a wedding, that is not the context in which these words are spoken. Um, and in some cases, they're never spoken in that relationship. But the sentiment, the words of Ruth to Naomi, of being with her no matter what and wherever she goes until death. Yes, how appropriate for a husband and wife to pledge to each other. The story of Naomi, as some might say the book could be named, is one that, uh, again, maybe somewhat familiar to us. If you get a chance, the, like I said, the book of Ruth is relatively short, and, um, and take a chance to read the, uh, the whole thing at some point this week. But here in chapter one, we get a story of Naomi, whose life is not, well, let's just say she had to swallow any number of bitter pills. To begin with, she is uh, forced to leave her home. Her family, her extended family, her hometown, and and she and her husband and her two boys are forced to go elsewhere because of the famine in that region. They were living in a town called Bethlehem. You, You may have heard of it. The Hebrew word literally means the Beth Lechem, the house of bread. And unfortunately, at this point in history, that house was empty. And so Naomi is on her way to a a different, strange, foreign land. And although we're told not how long it was, soon her husband passes away some of you know the bitterness that comes from losing your spouse your partner your friend your help how lonely how difficult she had her boys and certainly thankful for that but as they took wives as much joy as there may have been with with that celebration of of these boys uh, marrying they were again marrying women that were were not israelites and although marrying moabite women surprisingly enough was not expressly forbidden in the old testament covenant between god and his people it still was made clear that uh, the moabites were not part of the true people of Israel. So with that joy of, uh, for her sons, they're also a reminder of their situation. The bitterness that Naomi may have felt of her sons marrying, not the women that she may have dreamed of. And if that were not enough, no grandkids, none to speak of, and if it was 10 years, it was a day. And her sons, not just one, but both, die. We're not told from what or how long between each death, if it was tragic or illness or of, quote, natural causes. Was there something that didn't agree with the, with the males in this family? But all three males in Naomi's life passed away in this land of Moab. Certainly a bitter pill. And so as Naomi gets ready to go back, perhaps if for no other reason than to try to put behind and leave the place where she has experienced so much sorrow and grief, she's heading back to her homeland, and there, on the way, perhaps at the Jordan River, she stops with her daughters-in-law and tries to speak sense to them. Now those daughters-in-law, I'm sure were wonderful people. Uh, By the way, the, um, the name of the one, of course, is so familiar to us, Ruth. But the other one, that uh, one named Orpa, were you familiar with that name? You realize that, uh, for for what it's worth, maybe you've heard that um, the the very uh, person Oprah Winfrey was originally, apparently, named Orpa by her aunt, who wanted her to have a. a a biblical name but but somewhere in putting that name down on the license or on the birth certificate the uh, the letters p and r got switched around and and thus instead of having Orpa Winfrey we have uh, Oprah Winfrey But having said that, Orpah listened to her mother-in-law who pleaded with her to to say, don't you see how bitter my life is? How the hand of the Lord has turned against me and, and I don't have anything to give you. I have no inheritance. I have no hope. I have no future. Even when I go back to my homeland, that which had been ours and our families is no longer ours. I have no inheritance and no more sons to give you, my daughters-in-law. So please go back. Maybe you can find some joy. Maybe you can find some hope if you return to your own family. And so after a little back and forth, Orpa does just that. She returns to her home. Presumably to marry again. Presumably, certainly to return to her way of life before. Ah, but, but Ruth, Ruth was a different story. Ruth, we're told, clung to Naomi. And uttered those profound and beautiful words. But it begs the question, why? Why did Ruth not go back? Why is it that Ruth chose to cling to Naomi and refused to leave? I suppose it, it could be that the charm of her mother-in-law, as all mother-in-laws possess, just exuded from Naomi. They maybe click so well as, uh, as mother-in-law and daughter-in-law that, that Na- Ruth could not dream of, of separating from this wonderful woman who was always so cheerful and, and positive no matter what took place in her life through the death of her husband and her sons and the famine and all of that. Oh, wait. I'm not sure that description really fits Naomi. Do you know when um, Naomi gets back to Bethlehem and her her family and and townspeople, they say, oh, Naomi, it's good to see you. Do you you know how, how she responded? She said, wait, stop right there. Don't call me Naomi anymore. I've changed my name. I've changed my name to Mara, which is the Hebrew word for bitter. Maybe that gives us some insight into how Naomi was feeling and how she carried herself. Didn't she say to her daughters-in-law, it is extremely, exceedingly bitter for me. That all of this has taken place, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Have you ever been around somebody who's bitter? Have, have you ever been bitter? A- at least Naomi was honest. She changed her name, in fact. But maybe you and I, when, when we experience having to swallow the, the bitter pills that life gives us, maybe, maybe we try to hide it. Maybe we try to say, "Oh, oh no, I'm not bitter." Maybe we're like uh, those of you who might recall the old uh, sitcom Cheers." in the particular episode when when Sam asked Woody one of his bartenders why he's bitter and and Woody responds I'm not bitter Sam I'm just consumed by a gnawing hate that is that is eating away at my gut until I can taste the bile in my mouth maybe that's how we say no 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 we're not bitter but then we let everything else in our life show otherwise. And maybe we have reason to be. Maybe we too have had to swallow some very bitter pills. Maybe in the death of a spouse or or children, or maybe not in the death of anyone except illness or financial circumstances or, or the unfairness of, of how we've been treated or, or how the system has worked against us or, or the betrayal of a friend or a colleague or, well, the list of bitter pills unfortunately is nearly endless. Perhaps we too could honestly Say, my name. My name is now Mara. So if it wasn't Naomi's disposition and and frame of mind that may have attracted Ruth to her, then, then what was it? You have this incredible faithfulness pledged. Where you go, I go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people. And, and where you die, I'm going to be, be die and buried. But you know, there was something else there, wasn't there? For she says, and your God will be my God. You see, Ruth had not been raised with the true God of Israel. And when Elimelech and Naomi and her sons came to Moab, they did not give up their practice of worshiping the true God. No, they continued it. And certainly, even through the bitterness in Naomi's life, she continued to trust. She certainly didn't like the hand of the Lord being against her, as she put it. But yet, there she was, clinging to his promises, heading back to where she had come from so that she could be again with family, even though it meant poverty and desolation. And yet, somehow... She could see that the hand of the Lord, as much as it was against her, had now turned so that the house of bread was starting to be filled again for God's people. And she wanted to go back. She clung to the Lord even as Ruth clung to her. Is it possible that that even in our bitterness we can we can still cling to the lord that even though we recognize that yes somehow whether it's the lord's hand against us or his failure to act to keep us from the bitterness that we experience is it possible that even then we can cling to the promises that we know are true. And I wonder if it helps at all if we're to consider the circumstances that we're in. And what I mean by that is this. Have you ever um, tasted something that is extremely bitter, but doing so after you've just had something sweet to eat that you have your, your sweet taste buds all revved up and and whether it's ice cream or whatever it is and all of a sudden then you get a taste of something bitter and, and how revolting that is. I mean, our reaction can be even physical at times to gag, to spit it out of our mouth, to be like, get rid of that. It is such a shock to the system. But if we were to take that bitterness as bad as it is, but without that sweetness ahead of time, perhaps, perhaps it doesn't quite taste as bitter as it would otherwise. Is it possible that we sometimes fail to see the incredible sweetness of God that he has absolutely showered and immersed us in, that when we do experience the bitter pills of this world that certainly are part of it, a world that is fallen, a world that is broken, a world that is sinful, a world that ultimately leads to nothing but death, if that bitterness doesn't shock us. Why? We've been so blessed. Why is it that that we have all the blessings that we have? Why is it that that God has chosen to to give us our, our ability to see and hear, to taste, to talk, to move? Our ability to be here this morning, the clothes to wear, the, the house, the roof over our heads, the friends that we have, the family, the, the opportunities for, for self-fulfillment, the joys, the pleasures, the hobbies, the belongings that we have. Why is it that we aren't penniless? Why is it that we weren't born into some other place in the world with no hope whatsoever? Why aren't we, like like Paul referenced, chained for the sake of the gospel? Why aren't we like the lepers in the gospel lesson where where we're cast out from society with, with nobody to be part of our community? Well, if we're honest, We realize it's not because we've deserved these things. It's not because we have earned them and accomplished them for ourselves that we are such hardworking, great people. No, the only reason is because it is by the grace and goodness and blessing of the Lord that we have been surrounded and immersed and filled with blessings. And so, yes, bitterness tastes especially bitter. But I would have you think of those, or of him, who has tasted something even more bitter. One who had to drink from a cup that was so bitter that he pleaded with his entire being to his heavenly Father saying, Lord, if at all possible, let this cup pass from me nevertheless not my will but yours be done it was the father's will that he should drink the most bitter cup of suffering so that the times when we're bitter would be forgiven the times that we lack the faith and trust and confidence and energy and enthusiasm and inspiration and the determination and discipline to do the will and work of the Lord, we are forgiven. A bitter pill implies that there should be something that comes, like healing. And there will. Will we see it? Will we get to taste it? Ruth and Naomi didn't think so, but God had other plans, didn't he? The story gets the the short story is Ruth and Naomi return, Ruth gets married to Boaz, the inheritance is restored, her property and life is redeemed and she gives birth to a son who becomes the grandfather of King David. King David, the great ancestor of the one who would drink the cup, the bitter cup, even the Messiah. How sweet. In Jesus' name, amen.